Letter twenty one of Letters on England by Voltaire, edited by Henry Molly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheyenne Arrowsmith. Letters on England by Voltaire. Letter twenty one on the earl of rochester and mr waller the earl of rochester's name is universally known mr de saint evremont has made very frequent mention of him but then he has represented this famous nobleman in no other light than as the man of pleasure as one who was the idol of the fair but with regard to myself i would willingly describe in him the man of genius the great poet among other pieces which displayed a shining imagination his lordship only could boast he wrote some satires on the same subjects as those our celebrated boileau made choice of i do not know any better method of improving the taste than to compare the productions of such great geniuses as have exercised their talent on the same subject boileau declaims as follows against the human reason in his satire on man cependant à le voir plein de vapeurs légères soi-même se bercer de ses propres chimères lui seul de la nature et la base est l'appui et le dixième ciel ne tourne que pour lui de tous les animaux il est ici le maître qui pourra le nier poursuis-tu moi peut-être ce maître prétendu qui leur donne des lois ce roi des animaux combien a-t-il de rois yet pleased with idle whimsies of his brain and puffed with pride this haughty thing would fain bethink himself the only stay and prop that holds the mighty frame of nature up the skies and stars his properties must seem of all the creatures he is the lord he cries and who is there say you that dares deny so old a truth that may be sir do i this boasted monarch of the world who awes the creatures here and with his nod gives laws this self-named king who thus pretends to be the lord of all how many lords has he odem a little altered the lord rochester expresses himself in his satire against the man in pretty near the following manner but i must first desire you always to remember that the versions i give you from the english poets are written with freedom and latitude and that the restraint of our versification and the delicacies of the french tongue will not allow a translator to convey into it the licentious impetuosity and a fire of the english numbers c'est d'esprit que je hais c'est d'esprit plein d'erreur ce n'est pas ma raison c'est la tienne docteur c'est la raison frivole inquiète orgueilleuse des sages animaux 
rivales dédaigneuses qui croient entre eux et l'ange occuper le milieu et pensent être ici-bas l'image de son dieu. Vit l'atome imparfait qui croit, doute, dispute, rampe, s'élève, tombe et nie encore sa chute. Qui nous dit je suis libre en ne montrant ses fers et dont lui trouble et faux croit percer l'univers. Allez, révérend fou, bienheureux fanatique, compilez bien l'amas de vos riens scolastiques, père de visions et d'énigmes sacrés, auteur du labyrinthe où vous vous égarez. Allez obscurément éclaircir vos mystères et courez dans l'école adorer vos chimères. Il est d'autres erreurs. Il est décès de vous, condamné par eux-mêmes à l'ennui du repos. Ce mystique encloîtré, fier de son indolence, tranquille au sein de Dieu. Que peut-il faire Il pense. Non, tu ne penses point, misérable. Tu dors. Inutile là, la terre et miserant d'amour. Ton esprit énervé croupit dans la mollesse. Réveille-toi, sois homme et sors de ton ivresse. L'homme est né pour agir, et tu prétends penser? And etc. The original runs thus. Hold, mighty man, I cry all this we know, and tis this very reason I despise. This supernatural gift that makes a might think he is the image of the infinite, comparing his short life, void of all rest, to the eternal and the ever-blessed. This busy, puzzling stirrer up of doubt that frames deep mysterious, then finds them out, filling with frantic crowds of thinking fools, those reverend bedlams, colleges and schools, born on whose wings each heavy sword can pierce the limits of the boundless universe. So charming ointments make an old witch fly and bear a crippled carcass through the sky. Tis this exalted power whose business lies in nonsense and impossibilities. This made a whimsical philosopher before the spacious world his top prefer, and we have modern cloistered coxcombs who retire to think cause they have naught to do, but thoughts are given for action's government, where action ceases, thoughts impertinent. Whether these ideas are true or false, it is certain they are expressed with an energy and a fire which form the poet. I shall be very far from attempting to examine philosophically into these verses, to lay down the pencil and take up the rule and compass on this occasion. My only design this letter being to display the genius of the English poets, and therefore I shall continue in the same view. The celebrated Mr. Waller has been very much talked of in France. 
and Mr. de la Fontaine, Saint Evremont, and Bailleux have written his eulogium, but still his name only is known. He had much the same reputation in London as Voiture had in Paris, and in my opinion deserved it better. Voiture was born in an age that was just emerging from barbarity, an age that was still rude and ignorant, the people of which aimed at wit, though they had not the least pretensions to it, and sought for points and conceits instead of sentiments. Bristol stones are more easily found than diamonds. Voiture, born with an easy and frivolous genius, was the first who shone in this aurora of French literature. Had he come into the world after those great geniuses who spread such a glory over the age of Louis the Fourteenth, he would either have been unknown, would have been despised, or would have corrected his style. Boileau applauded him, but it was in his first satires at a time when a taste of that great poet was not yet formed. He was young and in an age when persons from a judgment of men from their repetition and not from their writings. Besides, Boileau was very partial both in his encomiums and in his censures. He applauded Sergei, whose works nobody reads, he abused the Kino, whose poetic pieces everyone has got by heart, and is wholly silent upon La Fontaine. Waller, though a better poet than Voiture, was not yet a finished poet. The graces breathe in such of Waller's works as are writ in a tender strain, but then they are languid through negligence, and often disfigured with false thoughts. The English had not in his time attained the art of correct writing, but his serious compositions exhibit a strength and vigour which could not have been expected from the softness and effeminacy of his other pieces. He wrote an elegy on Oliver Cromwell, which, with all its faults, is nevertheless looked upon as a masterpiece. To understand this copy of verses, you are to know that the day Oliver died was remarkable for a great storm. His poem begins in this manner. Il n'est plus, son effet, soumettons-nous au sort. Le ciel a signalé ce jour par des tempêtes, et la voix des tonnerres éclatant sur nos têtes vient d'annoncer sa mort. Par ces derniers soupirs, il ébranle cette île, cette île que son bras fit trembler tant de fois, quand dans le corps de ses exploits il brisoit la tête de roi et soumettroit ton peuple à son joug sole docile. Mère, tu t'en es troublée, ou mère, tes flots émus semblant dire en grondant au plus lointain rivage que l'effroi de la terre et ton maître n'est plus. Tel au ciel autrefois s'envola Romulus, tel il quitta la terre au milieu des orages, tel d'un peuple guerrier il reçut les hommages. Obéi dans sa vie, sa mort adorée, son palais fut à temple. And etc. 
we must resign heaven his great soul does claim in storms as loud as his immortal fame his dying groans his last breath shakes our isle and trees uncut fall for his funeral pile about his palace their broad roots are tossed into the air so romulus was lost new rome in such a tempest missed her king and from obeying fell to worshipping on eta's top thus heracles lay dead with ruined oaks and pines about him spread nature herself took notice of his death and sighing swelled the sea with such a breath that to remotest shores the billows rode the approaching fate of his great ruler toad Walla. it was this elogium that gave occasion to the reply taken notice of in baylor's dictionary which Walla made to king charles the second this king to whom Walla had a little before as is usual with bards and monarchs presented a copy of verses embroidered with praises reproached the poet for not writing with so much energy and fire as when he had applauded the usurper meaning oliver sir replied waller to the king we poets succeed better in fiction than in truth this answer was not so sincere as that which a dutch ambassador made who when the same monarch complained that his masters paid less regard to him than they had done to cromwell ah sir says the ambassador oliver was quite another man it is not my intent to give a commentary on waller's character nor on that of any other person for i consider men after their death in no other light than as they were writers and wholly disregard everything else i shall only observe that waller though born in a court and to an estate of five or six thousand pounds sterling a year was never so proud or so indolent as to lay aside the happy talent which nature had indulged to him the earls of dorset and roscommon the two dukes of buckingham the lord halifax and so many other noblemen did not think the repetition they obtained of very great poets and illustrious writers any way derogatory to their quality they are more glorious for their works than for their titles these cultivated the polite arts with as much assiduity as though they had been their whole dependence they also have made learning appear venerable in the eyes of the vulgar who have need to be led in all things by the great and who nevertheless fashion their manners less after those of the nobility in england i mean than in any other country in the world End of letter 21. Recording by Cheyenne Arrowsmith.